First of all, if you're a Toastmasters member, congratulations. If you're not a Toastmasters member yet, congratulations. And I say that because if you're not a member yet and you're in that the room either virtually or physically, or if you are a member today, well, you're practicing a skill, you're confronting a fear that most people in this world know they need to work on. They know their needs, their skills need to improve. They know they need to overcome a fear of public speaking. And, and you, you folks are addressing that. So congratulations, good for you. And congratulations to the club leaders, to Alvin, president, to Avril, VP Education, who reached out and invited me to this event today, to Alina, who I know is coordinating meeting number 800 for Shanghai Leadership Toastmasters Club. Fantastic. I've been working with Kate and Paul, and I'm probably missing some people. Thank you, Rob. It's always dangerous when you start recognizing people, but I feel it's important to recognize some of those, and hopefully all of those that I've been doing some work with here. So thanks for the invitation, it's nice to be here. And I wanna start by re-emphasizing what, what Paul said about knowledge practice feedback, because that will weave through my speech. Some time ago, I came to the realization, and maybe I saw this somewhere and borrowed it, I don't know, but I came to the realization somehow that, look, if you wanna be strong as a speaker or leader or anything actually, if you wanna be strong, I'll focus on speaking. If you wanna be strong as a speaker, there's three things you need. You need some knowledge, you need practice, and you need feedback. And if you're making some notes about my presentation today, that's a great structure to, uh, to organize your notes. So when it comes to knowledge, knowledge for, for speaking relates to organizational techniques, vocal variety, eye contact, gestures, purposeful movement, convincing an audience, persuading an audience. Knowledge covers a lot of different elements within within the, the topic of speaking but you could have all the knowledge in, in the world about speaking you could have a phd a doctorate in speaking all the knowledge in the world that does not necessarily make you a great speaker because what i'm doing now what other people will be doing later this is a skill the skill of speaking means you plan a speech you deliver a speech when you sit down, you say, that didn't go exactly like I planned, but it was still very good. The audience got it. This is a skill, and skills need practice. The best athletes in the world practice basic skills. A basic skill for us is speaking, delivering a speech. Yao Ming, I think he was ranked from Shanghai, wasn't he? He played for the Shanghai Sharks, one of the greatest basketball players ever. When he was playing basketball, he practiced basic skills like dribbling, like shooting free throws. We need to practice these skills on a regular basis. And if we're gonna be strong at speaking, we need feedback. We need people who tell us, look, here's some areas you're very strong, do more of that, amplify that. Here's an area you're not so strong. So de-emphasize that, turn that down or, or address it, fix it in some manner. We need feedback. So to get feedback, you can hire a coach, you can find a mentor, someone senior in skills to you to give you some advice. Uh, or you could join a Toastmasters club and you could probably see where this is going. I'm very delighted that in Toastmasters, we'll give you a base of knowledge and you can supplement that from other places. You can, you can get your knowledge from TED Talks, from YouTube videos, from one day courses, from university courses, from books, lots of places to get knowledge, but we'll give you a base and continue to add to that. We'll give you a chance to practice on a regular basis if you join a Toastmaster Club and you are active and you participate. <laughs> You'll be practicing these skills on a regular basis. 
And we'll give you feedback from various people within the club on a regular basis. People will tell you your strengths and your opportunities for further development. So that's a core message. We need knowledge, we need practice, we need feedback, whether we're talking about speaking, whether we're talking about leadership, whether we're talking about improving at basketball or improving at curling like Alex in Sweden does and like I do here in Canada. Maybe Rob does that in Boston too, the sport of curling. <laughs> All right, so knowledge, practice, feedback, that sets the stage. Let me take you back. So in 2008, I had a little bit of knowledge about China, but I had no experience. So I decided my first trip to, to Asia would be to, to China. I wanted to see what was going on in the world. It was just before the Beijing Olympics and I made the trip. And I presented actually at the China conference for all the Toastmaster clubs in all of China, all 60 clubs in all of China in 2008. Now I believe there's more than 600 clubs in China in just a very short period of time. So I visited Beijing and Shanghai in 2008, and I've been back to Beijing. I have been back to Shanghai pretty recently, like forward to coming visiting again at some point. Uh, but in 2008, I had just knowledge, no experience, and I did gain some experience. So then later I became international president. After that visit in 2008, they were not related to me running and succeeding to be elected as international president. Actually, I failed in the first election and won the next year. But in 2015 and 2016, I served as international president for all of Toastmasters, all of those 16 clubs around the world in 149 countries, all 300,000 plus members. There's three roles as international president. One is to serve as an internal ambassador and to connect with Toastmasters around the world. So there was a lot of travel. There was no official travel to China for me at that time, but I was in Thailand and Vietnam and Korea, Japan and Czech Republic, South Africa, Zimbabwe, Canada, US, obviously, and some other places. So I would visit and meet Toastmasters just to ensure that we're doing a great job for all of those members all around the world. And Toastmasters as an organization will always amaze me because we've been around since 1924. We've got about 160 staff people in the USA in Denver, and we're supporting 16,000 clubs in 149 countries in 10 languages. That's amazing. But that works because of the leadership of people like you who understand the mission and the purpose of the club and the organization. We are here to empower you and remember to become a more effective communicator and leader. So you're bought in, you're working to support it, is a part-time role here, uh, and so thank you for what you're doing. So as international president, I was mentioning I had an internal role, internal ambassador to connect with Toastmasters, an external role to connect with businesses who have Toastmasters as part of their developmental program for their employees, or for businesses who want to have Toastmasters as part of their developmental program for their employees. So met with lots of banks and IT companies, lots of the biggest companies in the world, including China, have got Toastmasters Club as part of their developmental program. So that was the role as external ambassador. And then the third role is to serve as chair of the board of directors. And that's to guide the board and direct staff in managing the not-for-profit. Toastmasters is a not-for-profit organization. We're actually incorporated in California, although all our staff and headquarters is in Denver, Colorado. There's very strict not-for-profit guidance in California. Uh, so we can turn a profit, we need to turn a profit. We need to pay bills every year. We need IT infrastructure and to pay employees and to 
support the mortgage on our building and support our tenants in that building. We need to turn a profit some years. That's okay. And not for profit means there's no shareholders who benefit when the corporation does really well. And employees can't do really, really well. They need to be paid fairly, but not for, for, for profit guidance, guidance in that way. So those were the roles as the international president, internal ambassador, external ambassador, and chair of the board of directors. And that's why I'm invited here today, I'm sure, and besides my speaking skills, I say that in somewhat in jest, <laughs> but it wasn't always that way. And like Rob, I was a nervous public speaker. So my start was way back in 1987 before many of you were born. And I was a IT guy. I was a COBOL programmer and I had various roles in IT. And so one day I was sitting at my desk in 1987 and I was writing some COBOL code. And two engineers I was doing some work with came to my desk and said, Jim, you're a pretty smart guy. It still bothers me. They never said you're a really smart guy. You're brilliant, Jim. They said, you're a pretty smart guy. But as a pretty smart guy, you don't say anything in meetings. If your career is going to go anywhere, you better get some help with that. You should come to our Toastmaster Club. So I did. I joined immediately. And as I remember, I don't think I said anything for the first three or four meetings when I was uh, uh, first joined. I was nervous. I was worried to speak. But like most people in Toastmasters, by participating, I developed very quickly. My skills grew. My confidence grew and took me to all kinds of places and positions. Even within the business, I was an IT guy in a telecom company, a big telecom company. And I looked and I said, you know, sales and marketing is what drive, drives this organization. That's where the recognition is. You need to find customers and drive revenue. So I got involved in sales and marketing. And that's really my career uh, ever since. So I still understand a lot of the IT world, and that's helpful. But primarily, I'm a sales and marketing guy. Um, I'm going to mention related to the skills that we're talking about here. I, I guess I should make the, the bridge. I mean, the skills I practice at my clubs on a regular basis help me as international president. They help me in everything I do. And I want you to understand that the skills that you're practicing on a regular basis at your club will help you further and further. We're getting a little bit of background noise if people can mute. So here's another example. So I just stepped down from a volunteer role. I was chair of a small group here in the city called, called L'Arche. L'Arche is another international organization based in France. There's a, in about 40 countries and they were, their mission is to help people and work with people with intellectual disabilities and help them lead, lead meaningful lives and to be respected uh, to, for their confidence to grow. So I served as I was originally invited to join the board, and a couple of years later, I was asked to be president and board chair. And we've got a home for five people with intellectual disabilities here in the city. They live with people without, three people without intellectual disability. It's collaborative living. They, we've also got a day program where people go to make art that operates five days a week. So people with intellectual disabilities work side by side in friendship with professional artists or just volunteers in making some meaningful art. So that's about friendship and collaboration and having a fulfilling life. So I mention that because the skills that I practice at Toastmasters, whether as international president, whether as timer at my meeting, whether as Toastmaster of the day at one of my Toastmaster meetings, those skills help me in my role at large to help me to be effective in those roles. So I want you to recognize that the skills that you're practicing at your Toastmaster club today and every day 
will help you be more effective in anything you choose to do. And I stepped away from that role just in recent months, and I'm considering what the next opportunity is. And so in many ways, like you, I'm sure you're thinking, what's my next best opportunity? How do I want to make an impact in this world? It might be with a not-for-profit. It might be with a social organization. But I want you to feel confident that skills you're practicing in Toastmasters will make you effective at that test. And if you're working through those sorts of decisions, please talk about them in your Toastmaster club. You don't need to have it all figured out, but maybe you want to make an impact on hunger or climate change or homelessness or litter in your neighborhood. Maybe you want to have an impact there. Talk about the problem. And you might find people who say, I know someone else who wants to work on that. Or I want to work on that directly with you. I don't have the solutions either, but together we can figure something out. So Toastmasters is really a launching pad for you to sharpen your ideas, to get feedback, and to make the impact on the world that you think is, uh, is important to you. I want to mention now, uh, there's an article, I'll pop it in the chat box later, that I think is impactful for, for all Toastmaster members. Uh, and it's, it was published in Harvard Business Review. It's by a gentleman named Jack Zinger. Zinger Folkman is their company. It's a partnership, a collaboration. And they, they write incredible leadership material. So I encountered this article probably 15 years ago, a very long time ago. And the gentleman wrote about 10 paragraphs, and every one of them was brilliant. So here's how his, his article went. He said, look, my job is to work with big companies. And we help people assess leadership talent, emerging talent, give them meaningful growth opportunities, measure how they respond. So we're identifying leaders in, in business so they can continue to develop. He says, that's my day job. And he wrote, recently I was asked to explain leadership to uh, some kids eight and nine years old. Can you imagine explaining leadership to kids eight and nine years old? <laughs> I, I would find that challenging. But he wrote, he said, look, the kids got it. He, he said, leadership when you're eight and nine years old, it's not about mission statements. It's not about dealing with people who are struggling in their jobs. It's not about, about strategic plans. Leadership when you're eight, nine years old, he wrote. Leadership then is about protecting the self-esteem of your colleagues. It's about focusing on real problems and not, not curious behaviors, weird dress and weird hairstyles. So I read that and I said, oh my gosh, that's, that's leadership at any age. <laughs> Protect the self-esteem of your colleagues, respect your colleagues focus on real problems and not odd habits. So I read that and digested that. And he continued to write, though, in a, about 10 paragraphs. He, he said he got back to his office and he was then curious. He said, well, I just trained some eight, nine-year-olds on leadership. Now I'm curious. When people take leadership training from us, what, what's the average age when they get their first ever, first in their life leadership training? So his staff did some work and they said, well, it looks like Mr. Zinger, that's late thirties, early forties. That's what our data tells us about the people we work with. So late thirties, early forties, when they get their first end of life leadership training. So then he got curious again. He said, well, find out for me, like when, when did they get the first, uh, first leadership positions? So they did a little bit more research and they came back and said, well, Mr. Zinger, it looks like late twenties, early thirties is when they get their first leadership position. So I think you see the problem. And he asked the question, well, if they're promoted at 28 to 30, and they're not trained at 30 to 
mid forties. Like what's their what's their basis? What's their knowledge? What's their practice? What feedback have they had to develop? What's the basis for being a leader? So that's a good question. It takes me right back to Toastmasters. So take pride in what you're doing when you're serving as a counter in your meeting and the new speaker comes and does their icebreaker and clocks it at three minutes and 30 seconds and has 50 ums and ahs. I know you protect your self-esteem. By the way, that was pretty well my performance as my icebreaker, first icebreaker way back in 1987. You protect your self-esteem. You don't tell them they had 50 ums and ahs. You tell them there's opportunity for improvement. You give them a sense later privately, you protect their self-esteem. As, as similarly, if you're serving as evaluator, speech evaluator, you're learning to protect the self-esteem. And you learn to focus on uh, real problems and not distractions. So for example, if I gave you a speech today on a controversial topic to you that you personally disagreed with, maybe it's climate change, who knows what we might have different, different opinions on. But if I gave a speech in that manner, and you were my evaluator, and you disagreed with my point of view, you would still give me feedback on my performance. Was my speech clear? Was it organized? Were my gestures strong? Was my vocal variety effective? Did I make good eye contact? You give me feedback and focus on our objectives and not a particular point of view. So you were practicing leadership skills on a, on a regular basis. I think I will take the time as well. I'm going to pop up one slide here about the best leadership theory that I ever, ever encountered. And where this is a leadership club, I am going to show you this slide. It's called Situational Leadership from, by a couple of gentlemen named Ken Blanchard and, and Hershey, uh, developed, I believe, in the late 60s. So situational leadership, the brilliance of this model says that the leader behavior needs to change based on the task maturity of the follower. And I'll repeat that again, because it's a really important point. The leader behavior needs to adapt based on the task maturity of the follower. And the brilliance is the task maturity, not their general maturity, not their general experience, their specific task maturity. And I like to give an example of this. I often ask audiences to holler out a example of a great public speaker and virtually every time people say Barack Obama and he is a great speaker so I'm going to just jump and say let's pretend Barack Obama joined your Toastmaster club you know he's a great speaker correct see I'm seeing some nods great so he joined your Toastmaster club and you're a little short on duty holders you say Barack I need you to be timer what's his what's his maturity level and the maturity levels by the way are you know low maturity to uh, fully delegate. Um, so his maturity level at this task would be zero. He's never been a timer before. So you would need to tell him what to do. And the model is you tell, you sell, you coach, and finally you can delegate a task to somebody. So you need to tell them, look, here's our stopwatch. Have you used a stopwatch before? Table topics are one to two minutes, et cetera, et cetera. Here's how we use the cards. You need to tell them what to do. That's not demeaning. That's reflective of this task maturity. And the next time you need them to do it, you'd say, you'd sell them on this skills. Oh, you were great as timer. Remember the last time you did that? Remember the routine? Stopwatch, the cards to give indication. You did a great job. So you sell them on his capabilities. And as his skills develop, you get him 
participating in higher level planning. Say so you say, Barack, we could Jim speaking today for 25 minutes, and we're in a virtual hybrid environment. Uh, can help you help us figure out how can we get those timing signals to Jim to get him planning in higher level uh, functions. And then finally, when he's fully mature, when he's done those roles many, many times, we can simply delegate and say, you've done this before, Jim's speaking, we need to show him some timing indications. Uh, can you just take care of it for me? And I take you through that for a couple of reasons. One, I have heard people say, my style is to delegate. That's, that's what I do, I delegate. But if you do that, you're setting yourself up for failure and you're setting the person you're delegating to up for failure. We need to go through this assessment. One is their task maturity. Uh, so this is helpful for developing people and developing your skills. And I will tell you, I understand this quite well. I've, I've talked a lot about it in many presentations and I still make mistakes. I'll still make this, <laughs> and you will likely still make mistakes. I'll miss, misassess their task maturity and perhaps delegate too quickly and it's dangerous. I've got some longer stories about that for another day perhaps, but this is a really helpful tool for thinking about how you interact with people. You can't just delegate, you need to assess their capability at a particular task. And it's not demeaning when their task, when their task maturity is low to tell them what they need to do. You can qualify, you can make sure you're assessing that well, uh, assess the task maturity and invite yourself. You can say, look, I, I, I don't think you've had much experience in this particular role. Can I give you some advice on getting started? Another good question related to that is just you tell me how you might get started in the role. I'd like to understand that's assessing the task maturity. So you've got these opportunities to practice situational leadership, to protect self-esteem, to focus on real problems and not serious hairstyles, clothing, or odd behavior, to focus on real problems. You've got those opportunities to exercise these leadership skills in any Toastmasters club you're in. So I really hope, you know, you're not thinking, Toastmasters is an organization under itself, on, unto itself with a bold mission, a, a beautiful mission for the world. But we're here to empower you to become more effective communicators and leaders in Toastmasters and outside Toastmasters. So I continue to be a member. I will always be a member. Uh, I'll be exercising my skills and help you continue to exercise your skills in Shanghai Leadership Toastmasters Club and any club you're involved in in the world.